This sermon was originally delivered in Young Israel of Sharon in 2010. I think it stands the test of time. I hope you'll agree. We owe thanks to God on so many levels. This line begins the Dayenu song at the Seder and embodies the fundamental Jewish value of Hakarat HaTov, expressing gratitude. In a word, thanksgiving. It is therefore appropriate to take time today to express her thanks to the Ribbono Shalom for preparing America as a refuge for so many Jews, and to America for serving as that refuge. In last week's Parsha, Yaakov splits his entourage into two camps, so that If Esav comes upon the first camp and smites it, the remaining camp will be survivors. Ramban applies there his principle that the deeds of the forefathers symbolize the future course of Jewish history, and says that Yaakov's plan symbolizes that when one nation is cruel to us, another will take us in. This is a promise of survival, but it does not remove the obligation to express gratitude to those who take us in. Avraham was foretold that his descendants would be enslaved in Egypt, and yet Paro was held accountable for his choice to enslave them. And Meruba Midatovim Midas Paranus, where we would hold people responsible for their wrong choices, we must acknowledge them even more strongly when they choose correctly. And if that were all that America has been for us, a refuge and haven from murderous persecution, Dayenu, it would have been enough. But on a very practical level, America was not just a place of refuge, it also played a major role in the defeat of the Nazis, and thus enabled some, six million too few, but some, members of the doomed camp to survive as well. And if that were all that America had done for us, Dayenu, it would have been enough to inspire gratitude. This would be true even if America had fought the Nazis entirely out of self-interest, as did the Soviet Union. And then America was instrumental in the creation of the State of Israel and has, at least since 1967, been its major ally. And if that were all that America had done for us, Dayenu, it would have been enough to inspire gratitude. Ramam says in the Guide for the Perplexed, that the Jewish relationship to Mitzrayim must always be tinged with gratitude for their taking us in during the famine in Canaan, no matter what they did to us later. Alachas kama v'kama with regard to America. If this were merely a Dvar Torah, not a Drasha, it might be appropriate to end here. But as is a Drasha, I welcome the opportunity to add a layer of complexity and nuance to what I've said so far. Because the story is not as monochromatic as I've told it. American policy toward Israel has not always been, may not be now, one of unalloyed friendship, let alone unalloyed support. And President Roosevelt didn't bomb the tracks, to the tracks to Auschwitz, even though he might have been able to do so without going to great expense or risk. To these considerations, we might simply respond, Dayenu. We can express gratitude even when we didn't get everything we might have wanted, and appreciate good choices even when they are not perfect choices. I want, however, to make a stronger point. It is an astounding thing historically that we feel entitled to criticize the United States for not bombing the tracks to Auschwitz, for not basing foreign policy on moral as well as practical considerations. Of the many refuges we've had in history, has there ever been one toward which we felt entitled to make that kind of moral claim? Has there ever been a country or nation from whom we felt entitled to demand something more than benign neglect? We live in an extraordinary place at an extraordinary time, and we should be continually grateful for that. Ilu that, and no more, dayenu. But I want to make one further point. This one will require a more elaborate argument and happily require us to study Torah together. In particular, I want to retell the story of Yehuda and Tamar from this week's Parsha, perhaps somewhat differently than you have previously heard it told. 
Let's focus on the moment when Yehuda responds to Kamimeni. Probably she is more righteous than I, although the Midrash raises the possibility of translating, she was right. Her pregnancy is from me, Mimeni, when Tamar sends him her evidence. The rabbis derive from here that it is better for a person to throw himself into a fiery furnace than to humiliate a fellow human being in public. In other words, Tamar gave Yehuda the choice of whether to admit his own guilt and save her, or rather to preserve his own honor and allow her to be burnt, and he chose to save her. But why did Yehuda make that choice? Was it inevitable? Let's go back to the beginning of the story and see. This episode begins with a description, In that time, Yehuda descended from among his brothers. In what sense did he descend? Most commentaries say that he descended in their esteem. They blamed him for the sale of Yosef, which they now regretted. But there is no indication that Yehuda accepted that blame. Yehuda's reaction is to leave, and then to marry a Canaanite woman, with whom he has three sons. His wife and oldest two sons die, and still Yehuda takes no personal responsibility. He does not even consider the possibility that he is being punished, or that his children's errors follow his own. Instead, he descends still further, stopping at a crossroad to consort with an apparently random Canaanite prostitute. Here we get the first sense that this story will not be unadulterated tragedy. A gleam of comedy breaks through. Yehuda has no cash on him, and Tamar, Tamar doesn't take American Express. So Yehuda leaves his credit card with her as security and goes on. Soon Yehuda is informed that Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot and is pregnant as a result of harlotry. Yehuda's immediate reaction is, Take her out to be burnt. He does not attempt to investigate or to speak with her. What kind of judicial practice is that? More strongly, Yehuda has to know that there are at least two men with whom Tamar might have consorted without being liable to execution, even under the pre-Sinai system, his third son Shelah, and Yehuda himself. And he knows that he has consorted with a mysterious woman who then disappeared when he didn't recognize her then. When Tamar shows up pregnant, he has to at least consider the possibility. So when Yehuda says, take her out and burn her, I suggest that he knew full well that he was sacrificing Tamar to preserve his own honor. He assumes that she will produce her evidence and that he can brazen it out, as the brothers did with Yosef. She lived in his house, after all, and had ample opportunity to steal such things. But Tamar surprises him. Rather than producing his staff and signet, she gives him the choice. She places his honor above her life. And by doing that, Tamar shows Yehuda that he can expect more from himself than a moral self-interest. And he rises to the occasion. Now I want to move from text to life. Over the past two weeks, I received three similar email queries, one from a friend who is a professor in Israel, one from a student in Israel, and one from a reader in California. Here are the questions they asked. One, my students have been asking me for a response to a formerly halachic book which argues that the lives of Gentile bystanders have no significance in the context of saving Jewish life, that it is forbidden for Jews to consider collateral Gentile damage. How would you respond? A group of rabbis have issued a ruling that forbids selling or even renting houses to non-Jews and Jewish neighbors in Israel, among other reasons because this would lower property values. How would you respond? Three, can you point me to articles or sources that suggest that we violate Shabbat to save Gentiles on Shabbat because it is morally correct to do so, and not merely because the risk of anti-Semitism is great if we fail to do so? This is not the context for a formal halachic analysis of these issues. But I want to say, that I believe that the experience of America properly affects the way in which postgame responds to such issues. 
because America has raised our expectations of what we can legitimately set as moral expectations for others, and anything we expect of others, we know that we must expect alachas kama v'kama, all the more so from ourselves. So the last debt of gratitude we owe America is for challenging us to raise our standards for ourselves, to produce and live by the best Torah we are capable of learning. Happy Thanksgiving.